Greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Make every great path straight. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We want to continue to look at what we've been discussing by hearing from God. In our last broadcast, we looked at our need to hear from God. We summarized that in the age of fake news which we live in, the age of false news, the age of audio and video manipulations, the age in which stories just fly out and all kinds of things are being said, we need to have a trusted and authentic source of information. And this can only come as we hear from God. When God speaks, we can rest assured that what he's saying is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so we can stick by that. So we need to hear from God to be sure that many of the stories we are hearing are truly from God. Indeed, we are hearing all kinds of things from all manner of people on social media. We don't even know which is true and which is false. But as we hear from God, we can tell if something is true or not. We also noted that if a person does not hear from God, he is 99%, if not 100% likely to be deceived and to be led astray by false and deceitful men who are masquerading as ministers of the gospel of Christ. Also, we said that God is seeking men and women whom, like Abraham, he will be able to tell things to and they can cooperate or partner with him to bring about restoration, deliverance, salvation, and so on and so forth to people. But we can't do that if we are unable to hear from God when he is speaking. Fourthly, we noted that we cannot be confident when we pray if we do not know what God specifically wants us to pray about. If we have not heard from God on what to pray about specifically, we will not be confident in our prayers. There are times when God will say to you, all I want you to do is pray in the Spirit. There are times when God will say to you, I don't want you to pray in this manner, I want you to pray like this. If you have not heard from God, your prayer cannot be effective. Fifthly, we noted that our faith in God can only be as strong and steadfast as the assurance of what we know that we have heard from God. The Lord Jesus was so confident that he was going to get to the other side of the river in Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 down when he entered into the boat. So confident was he that when a storm arose, he was still sleeping, sound asleep. It took the disciples to wake him up to get him to try and do anything at all. He was sure that the storm was just there. It was a nuisance value, but they were going to get across. Also, when Lazarus fell ill, they sent for him. He stayed back for this because he knew what the father had told him, that Lazarus was going to die, and, but that Lazarus would be raised up. And when it was time to go and raise him up, he told his disciples, that's John chapter 11. He said, let's go because I want to go and wake Lazarus up. And they said, but if he's sleeping, somebody else will wake him. Why do we have to go? And he told them, he said, for your own sake, I want you to know now that Lazarus is already dead. And we are going there to wake him up. And he kept insisting that Lazarus was going to rise that day. He knew what he had heard. And eventually, of course, Lazarus was brought forth. Unless we are hearing from God with certainty, we will not be able to exhibit the faith that we claim to have in God. 
we can only be unwavering in our faith, in our trust in God on events that happen when we know that it is God who has told us. I give you an illustration. If you had gone to maybe the stadium and you had watched a football match and you know the outcome, let's say it was a very intense match with a very close margin, but you had watched it and then you return home and now they are showing the replay on TV, you will not be as tense as the people who are watching it for the first time because you already know the outcome. That is what happens when you have heard from God. You already know the outcome of events. And so your faith is resolute, is strong. You know that this is exactly what is going to happen regardless of how it is playing out. In this broadcast, we want to move a little bit further and address the matter of how to hear from God. Let me state this, that we are not discussing about the methodology of hearing from God. Rather, what we want to discuss is what needs to be put in place in our lives to enable us hear from God. There are things that we need to have in our lives, otherwise we will not be able to hear from God. For example, no matter how much you try, a deaf person cannot hear when you are speaking to him because he already has an impediment and that impediment is his hearing. So there are things that if we have them in our lives, hearing from God will just be a matter of course. We already mentioned some broadcasts ago, the challenges that Samuel had that did not allow him to be able to hear from God. And I'm just going to enumerate them very briefly here. We, we spoke about Samuel's spiritual immaturity. He was a boy, even though he was ministering before Eli. He was spiritually immature and could not tell that it was God calling him and he ran to Eli. Secondly, we spoke about his lack of knowledge of God. He had not been told about God as at that time. And so he, he didn't even know that God was speaking. And then thirdly, we spoke about his ignorance of the word of God, resulting from nobody teaching him the word of God. So these three things accounted for him personally, directly, being unable to hear from God. Then we mentioned environmental factors, like the dearth of the word of God in the environment, which would explain why he didn't know God, which would also explain why he lacked teachings about God. There was a dearth of the word of God. There was also the possibility of divine revelation. There was no revelation of divine truth taking place in the environment that Samuel was growing up. And then there was the lethargy of spiritual leadership that Samuel had over him. The spiritual leadership over him was lethargic. And of course, we also mentioned the fact that the vision of the spiritual leadership was dimming. Where there's an impediment in the vision of spiritual leadership, where spiritual leadership is focusing more on earthly things rather than heavenly things. And of course, we also mentioned the matter of the sons of Eli, who the Bible calls sons of Belial, and the kind of atrocities that they were committing. They were not a good example for Samuel. But for all of that, we noted that Samuel, because the Spirit of God was present, and also because he himself was sleeping close to the temple, that is, a desire to be close to the presence of God as we adduced, God spoke to him. Now, I want to move further. And just look at the last bit of 1 Samuel chapter 3, 
after God had spoken to Samuel and what the Bible tells us about Samuel after that encounter. And I'm going to be reading from verse 19 to verse 21. The Bible says, So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. We note that once Samuel began to hear from God, he didn't rest on his oars. The first thing is the Bible talked about him growing. So we see Samuel becoming spiritually mature. He was growing in maturity, not just growing physically, but he was growing spiritually. The Bible also says that not only was the Samuel grew, he said the Lord was with him. He had divine presence. I want us to understand one thing. If God is not with you, I don't know how you can hear God speak. These are fundamentals that were clear that God was speaking to Samuel and Samuel was hearing, for God was with him. And when we talk about divine presence, there are a few things I want to just note here. In Genesis chapter 39, and I'd, I'd like to read that. Genesis chapter 39, and I'm going to read from verse 2 through to verse 12, and then I'll skip to verse 20 and read uh, maybe 20 and one or two other verses after verse 20. From verse 2, Genesis chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph. That's how, we, that's how verse 2 puts it. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Please, I want us to note quickly that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was successful, but he was a slave. So it is not your status in human terms that brings God to you. It is the fact that there are some things about you that makes God to come. And I'm going to, just, I'm going to mention one or two of that. For example, God will always be with somebody who is humble. God will always be with somebody who is holy. God will always be with somebody who manifests the very love of God. The presence of God is crucial for any one of us to succeed in divine terms. I'm not talking of human terms. Success in divine terms is not owning a car. It's not owning a house. It's not having money. No. Success in divine terms is the fact that you are pleasing to God. And whatever God wants done will succeed. And as a result of that, other people look at you knowing that you couldn't have done this on your own and they recognize the presence of God in your life. In verse 3, the Bible says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. The master acknowledged it, that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. For the sake of Joseph. Because Joseph was carrying the presence of God. The home of the Egyptian was blessed. And you would see that with all the favor and the blessing of God and everything, Joseph labored and increased the household of Potiphar. 
There was no decrease. He wasn't suffering loss. We cannot say because we are Christians, we have entered into a company, and then we begin to steal because we say the presence of God is with us. We can't do that. We must prosper the companies that we are working in. Even though it is an unbeliever that is the head of that company, even though it is owned by an unbeliever, a stark unbeliever, a Rosicrucian or whoever, as long as you are in the employ of that fellow, it must be for your sake that God would prosper him, not because of what he's doing. And he will know. In verse 6, the Bible says, Thus he that is Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Because of divine presence, all was left in the hands of Joseph. And thank God he did not abuse the privilege. Because in verse 7, the Bible tells us, of course, in verse 6, it concludes by saying that Joseph was handsome, was a handsome man, was a young lad, handsome, firm, and he was okay. In verse 7, but he was a slave, even though he supervisor of slaves. In verse 7, it says, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me, but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Joseph realized, first and foremost, that he was carrying the presence of God. Secondly, he had been given such authority and such responsibility and a confidence reposed in him. And even though nobody would, may not, people may not even know what would have happened between him and the madam, he knew that God would know. Many Christians behave as if God does not know. If you are a Christian, and the Spirit of God is upon you, I want you to understand one thing. There is divine presence in your life. There are things you cannot say. There are things you cannot do. People may not know, but God knows. I heard the story of two young lads who wanted to steal from their mother. And um, when they got to the mother's room to steal, the younger of the two said to the older one, please turn off the light. And the older one said, why are we turning off the light? He said, so that God will not see us. God can see through anything. So let's not deceive ourselves and think that because nobody else is looking or nobody else is seeing, God sees. And this was very present with Joseph because he said that whatever it was that he was doing was not even going to be wickedness per se against his master, but indeed against God. We must understand it, that when we sin, we sin against God. In verse 10, it says, So it was, as she spoke, to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. I want you to understand the persistence of Potiphar's wife. It wasn't just a one-off thing. First of all, she tried by saying lie with me. That was direct. Then the young man refused, but she was always there every day, every day to the point that she said, okay, don't lie. Just come and be with me. Come and be around me. But the young man refused. In verse 11, it says, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hands and fled and ran outside. Again, I want to note that Joseph did not say, Well, there's nobody here today. At least let me do this thing. No. He left his garments with her. 
and ran out naked. The Bible says we are to flee every appearance of evil. When you have been cornered, especially in such a compromising state, that is not the time to be asking questions or, or to be begging. You flee from that place. You're a young lady, you're being cornered. Get out of that place as fast as you can. That's not the time to be discussing. The Bible says, God said, get out of that place. Anyway, Joseph left the place. And when the master came, the woman reported Joseph. Of course, she lied against Joseph. And they sent Joseph to prison. So let's take it from verse 20 when Joseph was sent to prison. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Now, the point I'm trying to draw out here is this. Joseph was first a slave, a servant in his master's home. God was with him. God did not say, this is a servant. I cannot be with a servant. I, can, I, I want to be with a wealthy man. No. Then, to make matters worse, Joseph was convicted of a crime. Albeit, he was innocent. But he was convicted nonetheless. In the books of the law of Egypt, he was a convict. He was convicted and thrown into prison. But God was with him in that prison. The point is, the presence of God is not about who you are as a person or your status in life. It is about the state of righteousness that is in you. And the righteousness of the believer today is that of Christ Jesus. And by the Spirit of God, we continually walk righteously. So as we walk righteously, we have the presence of God. And the presence of God being with us is an assurance that God will be speaking to us and God will be leading us and directing us. Basically, the divine presence that we speak of today for the believer is the Spirit of God in him. The Bible says that the Spirit of God is a paraclete, one who is close to him. Indeed, the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 17, that when the Spirit of God comes, he will not just be with them, he will be in them. So for the believer, the Spirit of God doesn't just come upon you, he dwells within us. That is divine presence, that God is in you. That's why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27. It says you don't need anybody to teach you. You have an unction from above. That unction that is in you, that is the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. So it is possible with divine presence to know what God is saying, to hear God. The third thing that we note about Samuel is that the Bible says that God did not let any of his words fall to the ground. God's word at Samuel's mouth did not fail. Samuel was transmitting what he was hearing from God accurately. He wasn't adding to it. He wasn't subtracting from it. As he heard, he spoke. This is what it means to be a prophet. To speak what God has told you to say. Not to go beyond that. Not to mix your own mind with it. The Bible uses the word says, none of his word that is true prophecy is 100% accurate every time. A situation where we are having hit and miss prophecies is not what we are talking about here. We are talking about somebody who is hearing from God accurately and disseminating same to people, not for vainglory and not for filthy locusts' sake, 
But because that's what God wants him to tell the people. And so he tells them. A clock that has stopped working is accurate two times a day. For example, if you have a clock that has stopped working, let's say the clock stopped at 10 minutes past 2. It will be correct at 10 minutes past 2 in the afternoon. It will be correct at 10 minutes past 2 in the morning. But every other time it will be wrong. So that is not prophecy. That is a dead prophecy. A prophecy where you are saying something that will happen within a span of three months or six months or even one year. Where we can test whether this really happened. And we see that it didn't happen. And you didn't go back to God to say, Lord, what happened here? Instead, the following year, you say you want to prophesy again. Something must be wrong with that fellow. Not in the case of Samuel. God was with him. He was hearing from God. He was transmitting what God was saying. He was accurate. 100%. Not one word fell to the ground. Not one word failed that Samuel had spoken of. And then the Bible tells us in verse 20. It says, All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. God had established Samuel. It was clear to all and sundry. We are not talking of a situation where somebody puts a, a title upon himself. Where somebody goes for self-proclamation that I'm a prophet. Don't you know I'm a prophet? No, 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 no. no. We are speaking of something that is so glaring. It was glaring to all and sundry. That indeed, this young man has been established as a prophet. And then, the Bible notes in verse 21, Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Suddenly there was divine revelation all over again. God was now appearing. Why? There was somebody that he could speak to. There was somebody that he could depend on. There was somebody who could transmit whatever is the mind of God was to the general populace. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Divine revelation. The same is what God wants to happen. God wants a situation where he can speak through you to the Israel of God. The spiritual Israel of God. That is the church of God. But if God is to be able to speak to you and you speak to the church, then you must be hearing from God. In Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. In the days of Samuel, and indeed in the Old Testament times, God spoke to the people by the prophets. In various ways. Dreams, visions, dark sayings, parables, impressions on the heart, revelations, his written word, and so on and so forth. At various times, he spoke by the prophets. But the reality is, he had been speaking through them by the Son. Now, today, he is speaking by his Son still, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But this time around, he wants to speak to you directly, not through a prophet. Oh, does it mean that we don't need to have people speaking to us by God? People will speak. Those are people that God wants to speak to the church generally. But when it comes to you, he wants to speak to you directly. 
He doesn't want to speak to you through a prophet. He wants you to know. So that by the time the prophet is speaking to you, it is a confirmation of what God has spoken to you aforehand. Indeed, the Bible notes that through this Jesus Christ, the worlds were made. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. The Bible tells us that in the beginning, where God began to create the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over chaotic matter, because he wanted to recreate the world. The Spirit of God was there hovering. The Bible says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then the Bible now says in verse 4 that God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now, there, are, there were three persons involved in creation there. You had the Father, whose purpose was to recreate the earth. You had the Holy Spirit who hovered over chaotic matter to bring about sanity. And then you had the Word that spoke and said, let there be light. And then you had the Father coming back to inspect the light that had appeared. And that account is, is there in, in creation. Indeed, in John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. There was nothing made that was made without Him. In verse 14 of John chapter 1, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, the glorious of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's speaking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning, He, he spoke and things were done. He spoke to the prophets and the prophets spoke to the people. But today, he wants to speak to you personally. He wants to speak to you directly. When he wants to speak to the church globally, he speaks by the prophets. He will speak by apostles, by the ministers, to the church, to the body. But even what he's saying to the body, you will still be able to confirm. I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that the Bible talks about prophecy. It says, let two or three prophesy and let all the others judge. That is to say, in, in terms of speaking in tongues, two or three people will speak in tongues, one person will give interpretation, let the others judge. So basically, we are, God is saying here that even when people are prophesying, I want you to have in your heart the ability to confirm or refute that what they are saying is from me. No, no, no more does God want us to be like children who are going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. He wants us to be sure so the question is, how do we get to this place where we can hear from God? Number one, we need to be tuned to the same frequency with God. What do I mean by that? It means that there must be a common denominator between God and ourselves. First Corinthians chapter 2, it will explain what I'm trying to drive at here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, from verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. God has revealed things that others cannot see, that others cannot hear to us by his Spirit. That is the one who is the interface between the Godhead and man today. So as the Son is speaking, the Spirit is the one transmitting it to us. Now, the Bible tells us in John chapter 14 also, that the Lord, when the Lord Jesus was living, he said, when the Spirit of God comes, he says, that's the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will take from me and tell you what I am saying. 
I'm going to speak to you through him. And that's what is happening here. Now, in verse 11, the Bible says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12 is the clincher there. It says, Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. If you are on the same frequency with God, then you have the Spirit of God in you. The Spirit of God in you is divine presence. So if you are not in the same frequency, if the Spirit of God is not in you, if you are not enjoying divine presence, you will find it difficult to hear from God. It will be very difficult. But as long as you are enjoying divine presence, the Spirit of God is in you, no problem. But if the Spirit of the world is in you, you will not be able to hear from God. Even if you are hearing at all, it is going to be distorted because of the drunk spirit that is operating in you. In verse 13, it says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. It's not in words that you learn from Harvard or from some high society or humanistic wisdom. No, 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 no. It says, But which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In verse 20 it says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The things that the Spirit of God will be speaking to you cannot be discerned by a person who is operating by the Spirit of the world. But when the Spirit of God is in you, and you have removed carnality from your life, then you can understand spiritual things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people. I had to speak to you as carnal people. There is still carnality in you. As long as you are there dividing the church and say, I am of Peter, I am of Cephas, I am of this church, I am of that denomination, and so on and so forth, you are carnal. You can never understand what God is saying. We must get out of denominationalism. We must get out of a church that is so divided that only men see themselves in that church. You won't be able to hear from God. That's the reality. You will only hear from your pastor. You will only hear from your denomination. But you will not be able to hear from God. In verse 15 and 16, he says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16 is another final picture. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We are on the same frequency. We have the mind of Christ on the same frequency. And so as God is speaking to you and I, we can hear him because we have the same mind. We can understand the same purpose, the same plan. We are going in the same direction. Hearing from God is as easy and as simple as that. The mind of Christ comes when we have died to self. The mind of Christ is manifested when we are sanctified. By the Spirit of God. The mind of, of Christ becomes there when our purpose is in accordance with the will of God. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the Bible tells us about how when the Lord Jesus Christ had raised up from the dead, he came and gave instructions to his disciples. The Bible says that he gave the instructions speaking by the Holy Spirit. So the Lord Jesus is the one speaking to us today. But the channel that he's using is the Spirit of God. And that Spirit dwells in us. 
as long as the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, hearing from God is not a difficult thing. God cannot want to speak to his children and make things difficult. He wants us to be able to hear from him. And he made all the provisions. He gave, once we became born again, he sent his Holy Spirit instantly to come in and begin to remove all the things that can cloud our hearing from him, which is the spiritual activity, and make us ready to be able to move forward. Now, one of the things that we are going to see later about hearing from God and having the mind of Christ and having divine presence is the fact that we continue to be obedient to God. As you are obedient to God, so will you hear God more and more. So will his presence be stronger and stronger with you. Because as you obey God, you do not grieve the Spirit of God. You bring pleasure to the Spirit of God. You are pleasing to the Spirit of God. So one clear thing that must be present in you, if you are going to be able to hear from God, is the Spirit of God must be in you, must be working in you, and you must be yielded to him. That is, you must be in the same frequency and, of course, you must have the mind of God. Now, for numbers two and three, I'm going to sing two Sunday school choruses that children are usually taught. The first one is, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. Simple. Read your Bible and pray every day. And I, before I begin to look at the first one, which is reading your Bible, let me sing another children's lesson the school chorus, which is important because sometimes we think we are old and we are mature and we don't need to sing those songs. But those songs are reminders of what we should be doing, which many of us have forgotten. This song says, I have a wonderful treasure, the gift of God without measure. We will travel together, my Bible and I. No Christian should be without his Bible. No believer should live one day without reading or meditating on the Word of God. So number two, for you to be able to hear the Word of God, read your Bible every day. Read your Bible daily. Reading your Bible daily brings spiritual growth to you. Reading your Bible every day, more importantly, enables you to know the character, the nature of God, the modus operandi of God, how God does things, to understand the dynamism that is in God, that God is not static. As you read the Bible, you get to know the character, the nature of God, how God is doing things. For example, we, we had discussed the First Kings chapter 13 extensively sometime, some broadcasts back. If the young man of God, the younger man of God who had come from Judah, had known many things about God, he would have been able to see that God cannot ask you to do something and then contradict himself. He cannot. We could also have known that if God was to change his mind after telling him, when you enter there, go by a different way and don't eat in that place. If God were to change them, his mind, God would have told him first and not the old prophet who lied to him. There are several examples. For example, Isaiah. God sent Isaiah to go and tell Hezekiah that Hezekiah should tidy up his affairs, that he's returning to God. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and began to pray and cried unto God. God 
was God decided to give him 15 more years, but God did not even tell Ezekiah. He said, God went and told Isaiah while he was still in the court. He said, go back and tell Ezekiah that I'm giving him 15 more years. God did not throw Isaiah under the box and come and tell Isaiah something different from what he had told Isaiah at first. Many of us don't understand that God is a God of order, a God of decency. And he, he, even though the Bible says he's not a respecter of men, it is in the sense that he does not say, oh, because this one is this, I'm going to do something special for this one. No, 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 no. no. But nonetheless, he respects order. And since he told Isaiah to tell Ezekiel, he went back to Isaiah and said, go and tell Ezekiel what I'm saying now. Another example that comes to mind is Ahab and Elijah. God had told Elijah to go and tell Ahab that, look, God is coming to deal with you and your people. And then Ahab heard what God had said to him through Elijah, and Ahab greatly humbled himself. Then God turned to Elijah and said, see how Ahab has greatly humbled himself. Go and tell him that it will not happen in his time. I will wait for him to die before I do that thing when he has come. It was the same Elijah whom God told, what I want to do, I will no longer do it. So you see, God does not operate, he's not the author of confusion. He cannot say A and then revert to B. The Bible says that he does not repent after he has said something. That is, he does not take back what he has said. As you read the Bible, you can ask the question, can God speak to a believer through a non-believer? The answer is yes. How do we know that? When the believer has refused to listen to God, but is now listening to unbelievers, he will use the same unbeliever to speak to that believer. Because now the believer will not listen to God again. He will listen to the unbeliever. We, we saw that in the, the story that we looked at in 1 Kings chapter 13. After that old prophet had lied to the young man of God, when God was going to pronounce judgment on the young man of God, it was that old prophet that he used. We also know about Balaam, who God had told not to go to curse the children of Israel, but when he saw money and titles and other things that could come to him, he reneged and even went to God and said, okay, please now, should I go? God, knowing what was in his heart, said, okay, go. But along the way, his donkey began to misbehave to the point that the donkey got in between two walls and crushed him because the donkey was seeing what the man couldn't see. The donkey was seeing an angel standing in the way. And when he was harassing the donkey, the donkey began to speak to him. And I thought he would have been afraid. But no, he, he was engaging the donkey in conversation because something had taken over him. The desire for money had taken over him. So yes, God can speak to us through a dumb ass when we refuse to listen to him, when we refuse to listen to his word. Read your Bible every day. You will begin to see in the Bible things that God is saying to you and I about his nature, about his character. You will get to know that relationship with God is a personal matter. That what God would do with A would be different from what God would do with B. For example, God spoke to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, about the same time, but in two different locations. They had about a similar response to what Angel Gabriel came to announce to them. There was doubt in what was said. But Zechariah, being a priest of a spiritual uh, stature, the, the, the angel sh sh shut him up from speaking. He made him say, you will not speak again until after that has happened and you confirm the name of the child. He was both deaf and dumb, I think. But in the case of Mary, the angel was there to help her. 
and said to her, go, your cousin Elizabeth is with child. In fact, she's about five months gone. Her, her faith was helped. This other fellow, why? Because he's a priest, a person of authority. His word means a lot. So clamp his mouth so that he doesn't say something contrary to what God wants to do in the life of not just Elizabeth, but for humanity. Many of us don't understand that whatever it is that God is doing in one person's life is for the benefit of all of humanity. We think that God is just focusing on one person. No, it's for the benefit of humanity. Then we look at the difference between Saul, King Saul, and King David. In fact, if you were to look at the offenses of Saul and David, you would probably say that David committed a greater offense than Saul. But the problem of Saul was that Saul was never able to repent. Saul was never able to look beyond himself. He was too self-centered, too self-focused. He was more interested in what people thought of him than what God was saying about him. On the other hand, in the case of David, each time his fault was laid before him, he would go flat before God and repent and never do that thing again. The Bible tells us, I think in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, I believe it should be, where God told David, he said, if your son misbehaves, I will flog him. I will even use men to discipline him, but I will not take away my mercy from him as I did from the one who preceded you. That is from Saul. So King Saul was done for because there was no mercy to protect him. As a result, we can understand when David prayed the prayer in, in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the presence of God. Because of the mercy of God, you and I will dwell in the presence of God. As you read the Bible, you begin to understand these things. So don't let people be fooling you and be, be telling you what mercy will do beyond uh, uh, what God has said mercy will do for you. Or do we begin to look at the difference between Miriam and Aaron? Both Miriam and Aaron in Numbers chapter 12, they spoke condescendingly and against Moses. When God came and spoke to three of them, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, by the time he lifted, Miriam was leprous, but Aaron was not leprous. Meanwhile, Miriam and Aaron had committed the same crime. Why did he punish one and leave the other? Possibly because Aaron was a high priest. Once leprosy comes upon the high priest, that's the end of the, of, the, of the priesthood. So he left him. But Miriam was made leprous. Brethren, relationship with God is personal. You cannot hang on the relationship that your pastor has with God. Your relationship with God must be between you and God. It is a personal thing. The Bible is God's letter to you, speaking to you about humanity, speaking to you about how sin came into the world, how God has dealt with sin, the provisions he has made for dealing with sin, and how he has made that provision for you to benefit from, so that you can come and be with him in heaven. Let me give you an illustration. Let's assume you meet the President of the United States, for example, at an airport. Let's even assume it was possible for you to, to meet him at an airport. And I know that many people in the world today would like to go to the United States of America. And you say to him, I'd like to come to the United States of America. He says, well, no problem. I'm going to send you a document that you can read that will aid your coming to America and being a citizen. And you say, okay, no problems. And you, you shake hands and you depart. A few days down the road, you receive an email from the President of the United States of America sending you a 500-page document on how you can become a citizen of the U.S. I guarantee you that you are going to read every single page of that document. Because the letter from the U.S. president himself 
and you want to do everything possible so that you can become a citizen of that nation. We are talking here of the kingdom of God. When you say you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, God gives you a document, a letter. That is the Bible. He expects you to read it cover to cover from Genesis to Revelation and Genesis to Revelation and Genesis to Revelation. You just keep reading it until it is time for you to go and be with him. And inside the Bible, you have everything that you need for your own spiritual development, that you need for your relationship with God, that you need to be able to know God, that you need to be able to hear from God. You will know how God speaks. You will know what God can say and what he will not say. So nobody will be able to deceive you. Read your Bible every day. The Bible says in Psalm 1 verse 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the path of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon the law of the Lord doth he meditate day and night. He says that man shall be like a tree planted by the riverside, whose leaf does not wither. Everything that he does will prosper. Read your Bible every day. You will avoid the counsel of ungodly men. Read your Bible every day. You will not be found standing in the path of sinners. Read your Bible every day. You will avoid the sitting places of scorners. Make the Bible your delight. Meditate on the word of God day and night. And you will see what true prosperity is. True prosperity has nothing to do with money or house or car. True prosperity is peace with God. True prosperity, just like Joseph enjoyed true prosperity in Potiphar's home as a slave, enjoyed true prosperity in prison. And then, of course, we know he enjoyed true prosperity as a prime minister. In whatever, whatever your status, read your Bible every day. You will get to know God. You'll get to hear God. You'll get to know how God speaks and so on and so forth. Number three is praying without ceasing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says that pray without ceasing. Somebody would say, what do you mean by praying without ceasing? How is that possible? Am I just going to be muttering, muttering, muttering and be talking all over the place? No. I'm going to explain that later. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, amongst other things. Praying always. Praying at all times. With all prayer. Different kinds of prayer. Thanksgiving prayer. Intercessory prayer. Prayer of supplication. That's pleadings. All manner of prayers. In the spirit. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You must understand what prayer is. Understand that prayer is not just an opportunity or a means for asking God for something. No, prayer is more than that. Prayer is really having a conversation with God, a discussion with God. Prayer is talking to God and God speaking to you. Prayer is not soliloquizing. It is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It's not speaking to yourself. It's speaking to God. When you have, and this, I want to explain what it is to pray without ceasing. For example, a man and his wife. When they have a good relationship, they cannot do without talking to each other every day. Even when they quarrel, there is a the hunger for them. Somebody is looking for a way by which the other person will break the ice so that they can, they, can, they can communicate. They want to communicate without inhibition, but with respect for one another. When you have a good relationship with God, you want to talk to him and you want to hear him speak to you. You want to be able to express yourself without inhibition, yet with reverence. 
And there are things God also wants to say to you. When you have that special relationship with someone that you love, someone that you have that affinity with, that affection with, you want to speak at all times, using every means. We talk when we're with one another. If we're away, we pick the phone and we call. If we're in a meeting, sometimes we're sending SMSs. Oh, listen to what this person is saying at this time. Sometimes we even record a little bit of the meeting on WhatsApp and quickly send to our spouse. You just want, to, you just want them to know what is going on in your life. And then, of course, if you have such a strong relationship and something has happened, even when you were communicating throughout the day, you are rushing to get home so that you can sit down together and say, that thing I sent to you, let me tell you the full story now. You're excited. That is how it should be between us and God. That's why it says, pray without ceasing. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Sometimes it's a prayer of thanksgiving. At other times, it's a quick request. Sometimes it's an intercession. Lord, oh, help that woman. Lord, help that man. Look at him. They are beating him on the street. Father, help him. You hear stories of killings. Lord, save this country. Lord, save. You are not to be involved in going to throw petrol inside the fire. Yours is to look, Lord, let peace reign in this land. Not to blame anybody, not to point fingers at anybody. Because you don't have the information. When you have a good relationship with God, prayer will be sweet. But when that relationship with God is sour, I tell you the truth, reading the Bible will be drudgery. Praying will be difficult. It will be as if you are walking. But when your relationship with God is good, prayer is sweet. You are eager to, you want to hear from God. You can't even do anything if you have not heard from God. You will not know what to do that day. You'll be totally confused. Now some people who are carnal will believe that we don't have to pray. We know God has given us intelligence. God has given us brain. But the person who has a relationship with God knows that unless I hear from God, I can't do anything. Remember what Moses said when God said, go, I will give you the promised land. You are going there. Just go. I'm not following you. Moses said, if you are not going with us, I am not going. You have to go with us. He understood. But many of us, we say, God, give me the car. Give me the house. Don't worry about coming with me. Don't worry about divine presence. I'm okay with those things. Once I get those things, that's okay. If I get that contract, I mean, that's okay. That's because you are carnal. If you are spiritual, you will understand that if you have God, you don't need all those things. Even if they are not there. The day you need to be transported, God will provide the transportation for you. If God doesn't provide it, you either don't need it or he needs you to take a walk for the sake of one or two other people. So, it is important that we must understand that we are not just being on the same frequency. We are not just reading the letter that God has sent to us. But we must also be in constant communication with God. Fourthly, and uh, the last one, is about hearing and doing. It is not enough to hear. You must implement the outcome of your conversation with God. Hearing and doing is crucial. It is critical because the more you respond positively to what you have heard, the more you will hear. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1, 22 to 25, the Bible says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty 
and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. God is interested in not just your hearing but your doing. So it is one thing for God to speak. It's a completely different thing for you to implement the outcome of that. For example, you might be in a conversation with God on a particular matter and God might say to you, I don't want you to do anything. Then you don't do anything. Or maybe somebody offended you, did something wrong, you are angry, you're upset, and God says to you, I know that you're upset. I know that you offended you, but I want you to go and apologize. And you respond. The more you respond that way, the more you find out that God will be speaking to you more and more because you are, you are now exhibiting spiritual maturity and you are showing that you can actually be trusted. It's about hearing and doing. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the Lord shall not depart from out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So it is not just about reading the Bible. It is about doing, observing to do what is written in the Bible. Hear and do, observe to do. The doing is the issue here now. You want to hear from God? The little you have heard, put it to practice. The little that you have heard from the word of God, even the written word of God, begin to put it to practice. And you are going to hear more and more from God. And as you grow spiritually, hearing from God will become easy. In fact, a lot easier. When you are not hearing, you will know that something is amiss. Instantly, you know something is amiss. And as long as the Spirit of God is with you, and there's something wrong anywhere, you will hear the Holy Spirit say immediately to you, you have done something wrong. Go and Repent and cleanse yourself by the blood of Jesus. And you'll do that and fellowship is restored again. As simple as that. But when you don't know, you start running all over the place. That's when you run into trouble. So four fundamental things that must be present with us if we are going to be able to hear God as we should. The first one is we must be on the same frequency with God, that is, have the spirit of God in us, not the spirit of the world. Make sure that we are keeping the Spirit of God with us, retaining Him by not doing anything that will grieve Him, but doing things that will bring, that will be pleasing to Him. Secondly, you have the Bible, which is the gift of God to you. Read it every day. Read it book after book, chapter after chapter, verse after verse, day by day, cover to cover. When you have finished it, Start all over again. Sometimes your first attempt at reading the Bible may last you three to four years from Genesis to Revelation. The next one will be shorter. And the next one will be even shorter. And then after a while you develop a, a desire for God. Oh, you, maybe you've been reading only King James. Change over. Go and read New King James. When you have finished that one, read the Amplified. When you have finished that one, read Living Bible. When you have finished that one, read the Message. When you have finished that one, read NLT. Read all the versions of the Bible that you can lay your hands on. Besides, this is besides Bible study. I've not talked about Bible study. We are speaking of just reading the Bible to understand how God works, to understand the nature of God. When you begin to read the Bible, you will see the tremendous love that God has for humanity. That it was the love of God that made God to drive Adam and Eve out of the garden and clothe them. 
Because if they had taken of the fruit of the tree of life after they had sinned, man would have been hopeless when it comes to salvation. They would not have been able to be saved. Besides, of course, the fact that we know that God hates sin and he cannot allow sin near him. That again tells us that it is not possible for you to have an iota of sin and get into heaven. Except God helps us. So these are things that enables us to understand the nature of God and understand why Christ came, why we have the Holy Spirit. So many things to speak to us. Prayer, our communication with God. After you read the Bible, sometimes you read a portion of the Bible, you go to the Lord, I read this thing in the Bible. Does it apply to me? Does it apply to us? And God will explain to you. You have the Holy Spirit to teach you. Some of the things that we are saying to you now would just be a confirmation of what God has been saying to you before. Some of the illustrations we have used, God may use even a simpler and better illustration for you. God knows the illustration that will help you to understand the word better. So all we do when we come to speak in the church is to give you the skeleton. Then you now go and communicate with God and God puts the flesh and the life into that skeleton. And you have life as you are praying. You are being built up as you are praying. You are hearing from God. God is explaining things to you. Sometimes you are praying about something God will say to you. That's not what you should be praying about. This is what you should be praying about. And lastly, it's not just to hear. You need to do more than hearing. You need to do what you have heard. Whatever instructions the Lord has given to you, go ahead and do it. I want to conclude by reading a few verses here. The first I'm going to read is Luke chapter 8 verse 18. Luke chapter 8 verse 18. It says here, Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Now, we cannot understand this unless we look at it in context. Because of that word, therefore. Now, this arose from his explanation of the parable of the soul. And I'm going to read it from verse 10. The disciples had asked him what the parable was and he should please explain it to them. So in verse 10, in Luke's gospel, it reads, verse 10 says, And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. There are people who the word of God is just like a parable to them. It's like a story. So you can hear them making all kinds of conjectures and say, after all, David married several wives. What stops us from marrying wives? Where, does it, where is it written in the Bible that we should not smoke? Where is it written in the Bible that we should not drink? What is, what is the problem about what's wrong with dressing like this? What's wrong with doing this and doing that? And all kinds of conjectures. For them, it is a parable. But for those who have the Spirit of God, the Word of God is the mystery of the kingdom expounded and exposed and unveiled to them. In verse 11, he explains the parable. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. When I was talking about the parable, of God, I was talking about somebody who is planting the word of God. He was telling us that when the word of God is planted, there are several responses to the planting of the word of God. And it is dependent on the state of the heart of the individual. When we talk of the heart of the individual here, we're not talking of this biological organ that is beating here. We're talking of the nature, the, the being, the personality that is the spirit of man. That spirit that is in man that the Holy Spirit will come into if allowed. But that man without the spirit of God with the spirit of God 
or with deception in his in that in that heart, it is telling us what will happen when the word of God is so. That's why he says, therefore, take it how you hear. So he's telling them here how you can hear. How are you hearing? For example, in verse 12, he says, Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, to look at a proper perspective of what is being said by Luke here, let's look at that same thing in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. What is God saying here? God is saying that if you are, be careful how you are here. If you are hearing without understanding, Satan will come and take that word away from you. So you must hear with understanding. I always counsel people, don't leave the church after you have heard the word of God without seeking audience with the pastor to explain to you what you did not understand. You must have understanding. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 24 how the Lord Jesus was trying to explain scriptures to his disciples and they were not understanding. Then finally in verse 45, the Bible says, Then opened he their understanding. You need to ask God, Lord, open my understanding so that I can hear with understanding. When you hear with understanding, the word of God cannot be pulled out by Satan. But when you lack understanding, that is when Satan pulls the word out. So be careful how you hear. Hear with understanding. Now verse 13 of Luke chapter 8 now. It says, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they here, receive the word with joy, and they have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. How are these people hearing? Why did they hear? Why was their hearing so short-lived? They received it with joy, but it was short-lived. Again, Matthew 13 will give us an explanation. We'll expound it more and more in verse 19 and uh, verse 20 and 21 of Matthew 13. He says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately received it with joy. That's a very good man. You receive it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Persecution and tribulation came because of the word that he heard. So how are we to hear? We must hear with spiritual depth. Unless you take root downward, you cannot bear fruit upward. The word of God must penetrate deep into your heart. If there's any shallowness, any spiritual shallowness in you, you must get rid of it. I think it's in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4, Jeremiah 4, 3 and 4. He says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and do not sow among thorns. It applies to the third one that we're going to discuss here. Say, break up your fallow ground. Deep. Because after the ground has been left fallow, it begins to harden. Some of our hearts are hardened. It looks like good soil, but it is hardened. It's caked. So anything that goes in there cannot penetrate deep. There are still stones underneath. So it says, plow it. Plow it out. You need to press it, Lord. Plow my heart. Remove every pebble, every stone that is going to be an impediment to the growth of your word in my life. He says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it. Brethren, we need to apply ourselves to the word of God. We need to have spiritual endurance. There are challenges of life, yes, but it's not enough for you to drop everything and vanish from God. The Bible makes it clear to us. It says we shall suffer tribulations if we are to enter into the kingdom of God. It will be through tribulations, through afflictions. Don't let anybody lie to you. Many of us like to hear lies. We like to hear things that tingle the ear, that make the heart to be, that makes the, the flesh to be excited. But what you need is spiritual depth. You need to hear with spiritual depth. Not only with understanding, but spiritual depth. Back to Luke chapter 8, verse 14. It says, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they had heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Let's look at how Matthew puts it. Matthew 13, verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. These are people who have heard the word and many people who are Christians, they fall into this category. You need to hear the, the word of God from the perspective of heaven, not the perspective of the earth. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of this life, they choke the word of God. First Peter chapter 2 or so, we are encouraged to live as pilgrims and to avoid certain things that war against the soul. First Peter chapter 2 verse 11, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. These things are fighting against your soul. You cannot grow. It kills everything. After God has spoken to you, you translate that word that God has spoken to you to money. You translate it to pleasures, to cares. Those things come and choke the word of God and the word of God is not fruitful. There are pastors who are guilty of these things. You read the Bible, openly speaking to people about their spiritual growth and all you can translate it to mean is that how they will have money. How they will get into positions, worldly positions and other things. Did you not read where the Bible says in Titus chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 that the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching men that they should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, but they should, be so, they should live soberly, godly and righteously in this present age. Did we read that? Why do we call up grace that is not the grace of God and apply it? The Bible asks the question in the book of Romans. It says, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid, how can we who have died to sin? live therein anymore. Let's not, let's go and understand that many of the things that we are doing, it is because we are still alive to sin. That is why we look at pleasures and wonder, why, what, does God, does God want us to be boring? Does God want us to be bored? Does God, what are you talking about? Do you think the spiritual life is boring? When you are in relationship with God, you will know how exciting it is for your spirit to be awake. No wonder the Bible says, awake to righteousness, you that are asleep or dead. Finally, Luke chapter 8, verse 15. It says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Fruit is always born with patience. You cannot bear fruit in a hurry. 
fruit bearing does not permit shortcut. Certain trees will take three years, certain trees will take five years, some even take ten years. You must stay the course. Patiently wait, the fruit will appear. In, in Matthew chapter 13, 23, the same thing it says, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23 says, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who, need, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Hear with a good heart. Hear with a sanctified heart. So what is God saying? Beware how you hear or take heed how you hear. He's saying hear with understanding. Hear with spiritual depth. Hear with heaven's perspective in mind. That is have the mind of Christ. Hear with a good heart or from a good heart. From a sanctified heart. And you will discover that as you are hearing, with all this hearing aids in place, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to do what God is telling you to do. You will not query God. You will not question God. Where it seems to be difficult, you will ask God for the grace to help you. You will plead with him to help you. And he will help you. And as you do those things, you are becoming more and more pleasing to God. And God will speak more and more to you with clarity. God can trust you. And he will partner with you at that point in time. Because his presence is in you. He can then use you to do what he wants to do in the world. As he used Joseph to bring deliverance and prosperity to his family who were starving in Canaan. And brought them to Egypt. When he was prophesying about the famine that was to come. Little did he know that it was going to affect his family. And that his family will come. There are things that God wants to use us to do for the benefit of all of humanity. Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs, even Christians, anybody, even atheists, irrespective of your faith, irrespective of your nationality, irrespective of your race. But when we have racial problems, ethnic problems, when we begin to look at things through the lens of ethnicity, through the lens of race, through the lens of nationality, the problem becomes something else. Even through partisanship, some of us have labeled certain parties as ungodly parties. And yet there are Christians in those parties. If there are, why do you think God wants to put Christians everywhere? Is it not so that they can influence the world with the word of God that they are hearing? When we are in a right relationship with God, you will hear from God. And as you hear from God, you will know that definitely it is a joy to have a relationship with God. And until we meet again, I plead with you to seek God in prayer. Seek God in his word. Seek relationship, fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. Determine to make hearing the word not just a goal, but a means to doing the word of God. Be careful how you are hearing. Hear with spiritual understanding. Seek God. Lord, what are you saying? Give me understanding. Give me clarification. Hear with spiritual depth. Let the word sink in. Don't be in too much of a haste to go and speak or say something. Let it sink in. Spend time. Meditate on the word of God. Hear with heaven's perspective. How, what is heaven saying? How does heaven want me to respond to this matter? Hear from a good heart. From a sanctified heart. From a heart that has been touched by the Spirit of God. God bless you.